today on Doomed. We did it. We got through the four nights of the Democratic National Convention 2020. The pandemic version of the DNC. It it had its moments, but it also uh, didn't have its moments. We'll be getting into it all with my guest, who I I cannot tell you how happy I am. She is up joining me. What time is it now? Almost 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursday, August 20th, 2020, to run down the past four days of this thing. Let me pull her up on the screen and give her a proper introduction before I, uh, let me just get us up here. There we go. Nomiki Konst of the Nomiki Show. Hey, Th- you did it. <laughs> I got it? All right. Sort of. Yeah. First no, time. No, time. no Miki. No Miki. There you go. Uh, you know, the funny, th- the funny thing is I, I talk, I've mentioned you many times. I promoted you. I was uh, guest hosting with the Majority Report crew over earlier today, and I promoted this. And I, you know, and I, apparently uh, sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. I don't know. Do you have a... You My have whole a, life. That's your whole life? Know yeah. me. You know me, like everybody no. else. There we go. There we go. By my real name. I'm sitting <laughs> on my couch. I just got to say, I had to get a little bit more comfortable because I did not want to set up the whole studio today. So <laughs> that's all good. Don't worry. It's 11. It's almost 1130. We, we, we yeah. basically, you know, are, are uh, giving people uh, something like a, a late night TV leftist show right now with uh, what we're doing, you know. I- you could watch Jimmy Fallon, um, Stephen Colbert, or uh, hey, wait, this show. <laughs> you know who's on Jimmy Fallon tonight? I, I know it's competition. Uh, Corey Bush is on Jimmy Fallon tonight. Ah. So, or is it Jimmy Kimmel? Two Jimmys. It's very confusing. Ah. So, you know, we might steal some ratings away. I, I'm sorry, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen. I could, yeah. Well, anyway. I will say one thing. I'm sure our interviews with Corey Bush are better than the jimmies whoever whichever jimmy it is right no yeah and uh yeah let me and just bernie's say, on colbert oh we are, <laughs> sorry we, i'm, I'm just gonna hijack the show. <laughs> we've got some stiff competition tonight i don't know what we're gonna do yeah. we gotta really we gotta really deliver uh so i think you can do it i think i can uh <laughs> you know i was actually just mentioning earlier today <laughs> uh, uh on the majority port when when they i found out that you will be guest hosting majority port tomorrow I was like, damn! It's 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 no it's Nomi week. She's been doing she's been doing a daily show during the afternoon to cover the DNC, and then she's doing tonight on my show, and then she's doing tomorrow Majority Report. Or after Majority Report, are you doing your daily afternoon show? So this is how we're gonna do it tomorrow. It was it it. it I don't know how it ended up evolving this way, but it did. Basically, I'm hosting my show <laughs> in the majority report slot, uh, and then um, there's like a little special afterwards. Yeah, it, it sort of evolved like I think just like Sam, he realized we we're doing coverage. He's like, well, how can we work together? And and it's great because um, Noam Chomsky is going to be on our show tomorrow, which uh, is like a lifetime. Dream. I was supposed to interview Noam Chomsky. The week that the pandemic uh, was was officially declared, and I was actually supposed to interview him in person in Tucson, Arizona, because that's where my mom's family lives, um, her her where she grew up. But um, 
I was I was going to go down there and stay at my grandparents' house, and and then the pandemic hit, and so we delayed it, and I, you know, and then I remember when uh, our friend Michael Brooks got the interview with Noam Chomsky, and was like, Michael, you stole him from me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I'm I'm very grateful that he did, um, because you know, it I I think that was he had a very big year of of, of huge interviews, so um, I'm glad, and and he obviously had a whole different set of questions to ask him than I probably will. I don't even know what I'm gonna ask him tomorrow. I have to the pressure's on now. I've got the majority report slot, man. <laughs> I you're probably gonna get uh lots of comments and and, to, and questions in terms of like, uh. Noam, what do I do about the, the election in November? And then he's going to give you his answer, and they're going to go, fuck you, Noam. So, I'm not... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's going to be... That's going to be what happens, right. <sighs> Uh-oh, you, you cut off for a second. You cut off for a second. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's my audio just decided to switch. Can you hear me? Uh, I, you're much lower than you were before. That is weird. Okay, give me one second. Sure, no problem. We got, we got all night. <laughs> Built in, oh, here we go. Oh, we went to my, it's because we went to my actual microphone. Can you hear me at all? I can hear you, yes. And you're getting a little bit louder as whatever you're doing. Uh, yeah. It was it better with the other way? Oh wait, here you go. Now you're back to where perfect. You fixed it. I am. Okay. I don't even know what happened. If it doesn't work again, just let me know. I, I shook something and then it like made a uh, an announcement that my mic changed. Ah, that, that I know what you're talking. I know exactly what you're talking about. But uh, don't worry about it. Sounds good now. Um, so, uh, folks, if you want, you could, uh, drop a, uh, a super chat in here and I'll get to it. If you have a question or a comment, uh, for me and, uh, no Mickey and, uh, we let's, let's get talking about the DNC. We got a lot to discuss four days worth of, uh, <laughs> amazing content. I mean, let's, let's start, you know, I don't want to just, you know, be, uh, people are gonna be like, oh, and here comes Matt Binder to, to raid on everyone's parade on a show called Doomed. I mean, it should be expected. But uh, you know, let's let's start with um, let's start with the positive. And I do think I, I do want to give props where it's due from from a technical standpoint uh, with what they had to do in terms of uh, you know run this event, this four day event during a pandemic with their speakers and uh, uh, you know basically all over the country. Uh, they technically pulled it off, and, and they pulled it off without a technical hitch. It was uh, it, it came together, and there were I don't know, I could probably think of maybe like one technical difficulty they had, uh, which is as someone who does live streams. Uh, I mean, they obviously have uh, higher end studio type equipment, but as someone who does live streams, I can uh, sort of respect that in a way. And I thought it was yeah, it was well done because you know not everyone who who took part was in a TV studio. A lot of those people were actually just live streaming from their home or office. So, you know, they, they pulled it off technically. Yeah, it was a huge um, endeavor. And uh, I mean, I think it, it definitely just, just like our coverage of the DNC on the Nomi Key show, it got better technically as the week went on. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I will say our people are probably the best. Uh, but 
But um, no, no, really. For the the, the reality is, is like the DNC is not necessarily okay. It's it's not that the DNC is not known for technicals. It's that they give a lot of excuses for not having like technical setup, and I think it's an excuse because. You know, sometimes like they'll have these DNC meetings and I'm getting right to it, actually, like the the, com the committee meetings that they have. Reporters are always complaining and saying things like, oh, uh, we don't have Wi-Fi down here. And they're like, oh, yeah, we were having difficulty setting up the Wi-Fi in the hotel basement. They probably just didn't want to pay for it. But that's like one side of it. But they also <laughs> don't want reporters and people live tweeting and 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 like, you know, uh live streaming the the committee meetings they just don't like that and they've been able to control it by putting these meetings in basements of hotels and um even though the meetings are supposed to be open and press is supposed to be able to come uh you know they don't they don't announce them until last minute they don't send out press releases until last minute so i'm used to hearing the excuse that the dnc just doesn't have a great budget when it comes to this kind of stuff it's like well, where does the money go Really, right. where does it go? I mean, that I'm just starting off from the top of what I'm known for in the DNC with my DNC Unity Reform Commission. Right. But watching this, I mean, I'm watching Tom Perez on screen right now in uh, what seems to be his office, and you know, I'm I'm uh, or some sort of office setup, and he's talking in front of his computer on his computer camera, um, not a live stream camera, and so like you know, it's it's. The technology is also there. Like you and I both know, it's almost like when you make things more complicated, it becomes more complicated. What I'm watching right now is probably being done on OBS. Uh, for those insiders who who <laughs> know what OBS is, obviously right. you do. Um, no, I mean I'm, I'm literally I'm watching the screen. I'm just like, this is the moment for this type of event. They couldn't have gotten away with this two years ago. Um, with that being said, the convention is a huge endeavor and. I don't know. I mean, I knew as soon as the pandemic hit that they were going to cancel it and make it uh, virtual. And then they there was a big fight about it internally. And really? then they finally realized, yeah, and then they, they they really, I think they were concerned about the, there was canceling some Wisconsin. Sort of, yeah, that's pretty much it. It was, it was canceling Wisconsin, canceling contracts there. A lot of, you know, uh, hotel owners had donated to the campaign and and to the dnc and right. uh you know and it's it's a big it's a big lobbying um i mean it should have been in wisconsin i always thought that but like for instance miami the dnc meeting two years ago i think it was two years ago uh yeah or no it was last year sorry i can't even remember the dnc last year in august uh they made the decision no it was two years ago excuse me um they were trying to lobby DNC members on where to put the convention. And the Miami lobbying group, uh, the Miami committee, you know, the, the, not the state party, but the Miami like party bought, got a, a, a major yacht in Chicago at this meeting and hosted this crazy party. And it was, all, anybody could go, there was a DNC member and sorry, I'm in New York. It's loud. <laughs> and, and, they had like a Cuban band and like Cuban food and like salsa dancers and like I mean it was ridiculous. And these swag bags and we're like, what is this? Is this like a Sunday? I mean, they wanted the convention in Miami and Wisconsin got it. I went to their party too. It was it was good. <laughs> a lot of cheese curds. Um, but it was I mean much more political. I mean. I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean, it's it's it makes a lot of sense that they needed to to go to Wisconsin this year, especially after the 
you know, I mean, obviously, if they won Wisconsin last time around, it I, uh, it would not have changed the results, even though it's ridiculous that they lost Wisconsin. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you sure you're not in Delaware and Joe Biden's revving his engine up behind his... <laughs> Was that that background noise? Yeah. Um, you know, but... Have you seen... What's that? Did it again. It's gonna get, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to unplug it's, my mic. It actually sounds good right now. It actually sounds good right now. So, yes? yep, you fixed it. I'm just not going to move. Sorry. I'm assuming, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that on your show, someone else deals with all this stuff. <laughs> I usually, I set this stuff up. I have to. No one lives with me that right, produces that's true. my show. That's true. Um, so for whatever reason, it's, it's, it's messing. It's just on a different surface normally. And I have like a different setup, but yeah, but, I mean. It's it's not the fun thing. Yeah, I'm not into the technical stuff. It's just not my it's not my jam. No, don't worry I, about these, it. These like you, I, I'm really impressed. I mean, you, David Dole, Sam too. I mean, Sam obviously has a whole team, but like the fact that you're able to put this all together on your own and cut clips and I mean, it is so much work. It's so much work for me just to like book people and prepare and like write questions out and read and I, I don't I don't know how you guys do it. I just I don't. Actually- I actually, it's something I did at the majority report when I was working for Sam, but I actually don't cut clips because I just don't have the time for it. And it's honestly, I think, like one of the major things that's holding me back because people who, I have an audience that obviously listens to the, the two plus hour long podcast when, you know, when you combine the first half of the show and the, the patron only half of the show. Uh, but I'm sure there's a whole nother audience that I'm missing out on because I just don't have time to cut the clips because a lot of people I'm sure don't watch a two-hour-long podcast or even an hour-long podcast. I got to get on top of that like I did for Sam it's, back in the day. It is a thing, man. Yeah. I I can't even – for those of you watching, and you have no – this is so much work. And for people who are doing it, like, every – that's all they're doing. They, like, wake up in the morning. They, like, read the news, go on Twitter, whatever people do to get their information. And then they, like, just churn out, churn out clips all day long – and cut them. I'm exhausted. I mean, I think I'm also exhausted because I'm also old. Um, I'm getting there. I'm getting. I'm getting to the point where I'm old. But watching this convention. So on this night, right? This is Thursday night, and I know we're going right way off topic, but this is what happens when you decide to have me on at 11:30 at night. Oh no! This is what I expect when I do one of these super late night shows. It's it's you know okay. it's it's like a variety hour. I, I'm gonna have a, a, a crew come out and juggle and. Uh... <laughs> I can't well I can sort of juggle I guess um but usually at like 11 Thursday night first off every night of a convention is a party you're just living off of adrenaline you're and like oh my god 2016 we were like at war like this was the night I Hillary Clinton spoke and I stood up and I put like an American flag over my mouth and I was right in the front and all these cameras saw me and then like a few days later Sirius XM who I had a show uh, a daily show on they called me into a conference room and were like um, basically threatening my job because I stood up in the middle of the speech protesting essentially you know the war policies right. of, of Hillary Clinton um, so I mean like that was 2016 this night and tonight I just sat here and I was like it's a nice video about Joe Biden I mean I I definitely cried when the kids were talking about Bo I could I'm a human I right. I'm also old guys I get sad when I hear about people dying. You know, Bo Biden was not a war criminal. I didn't get sad over John McCain. That was ridiculous. What the hell was that? Right. John yeah. McCain. 
Stop saying you're old because I think you're only like a year older than me. So please stop, stop. <laughs> I, you know, we have our team, we have some Zoomers on it. And I love it because I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I remember being like you, having yeah, energy. You know, the, the millennials, the, the millennials who are on the left are very youthful. We're a youthful bunch. You don't have to, you know, we're very... Yeah. <laughs> Tired, dude. Just right, tired. Right. But you know, you make a great point though about the 2016 DNC when you, because I actually was also there. We didn't know each other then, so uh, I, it's too bad because we could have said hello. But I never uh, met you on you on MR. What's that? Was I, yeah, I did meet you at MR at that point. No, no, we've never met in person actually. Really? Really? Yeah. Ever? Ever? I, I don't believe we have. No. This is how the media world works, or at least how I work. I sometimes I have no sense of like who I've met in person because the the sometimes you're doing things remote sometimes in person it's I yeah. remember I remember why you probably think you met me because we were in the same room just a few months ago actually and we did not meet each other somehow you were at the Michael Brooks show that I was a part of in early February and I saw you yeah. in the crowd and you were you I think you like waved to me and I waved to you and then I was looking for you after the show, and you told me you were looking for me after the show, and we apparently completely was... <laughs> missed each other. Yes. Uh, so we'll have to. Yeah, that was. Great. We'll have to redo that, but uh, you know, <laughs> we'll have to eventually meet when the pandemic's over. But uh, you know, 2016, I was there. That's over. <laughs> right. See, see you. We'll never be able. I'm so sorry, Matt. Right. Right. Oh, see, see, see you in maybe a year. You know, maybe. At best case scenario, yeah. But, you know, 2016 was sort of this really big event that I, I think, you know, I mean, I, again, I've never been to a convention, so maybe before 2016, so maybe it was just being part of a first one there myself. I mean, I went with a bunch of people uh, who were working for this website that I worked for at the time. Uh, it was actually a pretty cool crew of people. Uh, Z-Way, who is like a big comedian now. Uh, two of the guys from Chapo, uh, Felix and Virgil. Uh, Rob Wisman and what? we oh stayed in the, we sta we stayed in the same house together for a week. Uh, oh my god, I Because because they were doing the, they were doing Carl Diggler at that time, and I worked at the same company as them. And uh, and Rob Wisman and Stefan Boring as Heck, that's what he goes by on Twitter. You know they're, they they do the Block Party and Go Off Kings show uh, podcast and live stream. Uh, so it was like a big, crazy thing, uh, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And I, I even tweeted early, like the first night, I was like, man, just four years ago, I was doing all that with those people. Fast forward to today, I'm sitting on my couch watching this. And it's like, you know, that's not the fault of the Democrats, but, you know, it, it was a big thing to try to make this feel like a, a an event, you know, yeah. having everyone do it from their home. And, I, you know. Again, props to them for pulling off the technical aspects of it. Definitely not easy. Uh, but of course, you know, it's going to come off awkward and weird, which a lot of it did. Uh, Content-wise, I'll give, I'll give let's, let's again get the good stuff out of the way. AOC was great. Uh, I think Bernie did a good job. Uh, he, he, he had some great lines, and he played the role that he needed to play well. Uh, tonight, I think, uh, actually, Cory Booker and Birdie stole the whole convention with their little back and forth together. That actually won me over. I thought that was really great when uh, when uh, Cory Booker said to Bernie, why does my girlfriend like you more than me? I mean, fantastic. 
Fantastic. Yes. And, and, and it also, you know, I will say one thing, uh, knowing Cory Booker's girlfriend pretty well, um, she's amazing. Her, we're talking about Rosario Dawson, if you guys yes. don't know. Uh, she got a lot of heat because she was, she's been dating Cory Booker. And uh, I don't know if it's public. I think it's public. She met Cory Booker through Ben Jealous who was a Bernie Sanders surrogate in 2016, the former president of the NAACP, good friend of, of Rosaria's, when when he ran for governor two years ago uh, in Maryland, or year, I don't even know what year it is right now. A year ago, I think, no. Yeah, no, two years ago, he ran. <laughs> this, is, this is really a problem, guys. Um, and she was out there campaigning for him. So she got a lot of flack for not like supporting Bernie because they thought that she had changed her politics. She's always been a radical. And if you look in the background, he has like the new Jim Crow in the background. I'm like, is this guy getting radicalized? Is he going to come out like a minute later and be like, I stand with Linda Sarsour because I sure hope he he would. But of course, he's an APAC. You know, I, you know I, I'm, I'm so, the problem is I'm so jaded, Matt. I'm just so jaded. You know, the oh. Zoomers act like they're jaded. I, when you're not, you're not jaded until you're tired. Like, you can be skeptical, but if you're tired with it, that's like actual being jaded. Right. I mean, I'm I'm I, I'm I'm jaded as well. Uh, you're you're not alone in the the jadedness. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was it's hard for me to watch this thing tonight and not think it's mm, I don't want to say ridiculous because it's not it's not made for me and you. This is this no. is this is an event that's for and I don't get these people. I don't get how you could be this person. I mean, I get it, obviously, if you have a nice home and, and you benefit from these people pushing these policies. But the people who are like rah, rah, rah Democrats who are not that, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I, you know, if you're someone struggling and, and you know, in these policies that, yeah. that you know, Republicans and Democrats uh, uh, put forward together, policies that Democrats uh, don't put forward, uh, you know, it, it's, you know. I, I, I don't understand it. It's almost like you're you're a masochist to me in terms of you being like yeah. uh, parading around for these guys. Uh, I mean, I've already uh, made my intent clear in terms of what I personally will be doing come November uh, and who I'll be voting for. Uh, but that's it. That's all they're gonna get from me is a what vote. What state they're not, are you in? I'm in New what York, so I don't have to. I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm, in, Queen, I'm in Queens. We're, we, Wait, where are you in Queens? I'm in Queens. I'm in Flushing. Why aren't we doing this in person? You're in Flushing, okay, I'm in Astoria. We could just like meet in the park and do this. Right, right. Then yeah. we can actually meet. Okay, right. case closed. This is right. ridiculous. I thought you were like in Pennsylvania or something because everyone's in Pennsylvania. That's the No, I've been, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong Queens uh, person. Been here my whole life. Wow. Uh, Old school Flushing all the way from flushing, the flushing all the way or the, or the surrounding areas. But there is basically all in the Flushing zip code. So, uh, yeah, flushing, flushing my whole life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing weird about two people. We have set up a whole lighting rig at 1130 p.m. in a public park <laughs> with <laughs> cameras. <Sorry>. <laughs> my, mom is, my mom's in town. My mom's in the other room right now. She's like, wait, what you're doing? Because I don't have a big apartment. I have a tiny apartment. So right. she, <laughs> she's like, speaking of prime DNC audience, she's like, oh, this is great. I'm like. We're having two very different yeah. experiences. I, I, I do, you know, that is the thing, though. This is, I don't get it. I don't, what is it about, the, what is the generational difference where they, they like, boomers, and bo I'm guessing your, your, your mom's a boomer. Breaking news. Breaking news. What? Joe Biden is on TV right now 
eating ice cream or cereal. I can't tell. He's doing an after hours show. I don't know what's happening right now. It's on mute. There's an after hours show, DNC after hours show, hosted by Andy Cohen, and I think a bunch of celebrities and some people I don't know who they are, and Joe Biden, who just came up on screen, lifted a bowl of what I think is ice cream and ate it. Just I'm sorry. We'll go back to boomers so, in a second. So, so now I gotta now I gotta compete with Joe Biden's late night talk show as well. Damn, I mean this is, you know, but but yeah, you know, what is it? I'm assuming your mom's a boomer. My dad's a boomer. We're the same age. Um, uh, what is it about boomers? They just love the they love civility. They just love it. They love civility. They don't get that they, is it. She said it. She goes, "This is the last where we might be able to have someone who can like." deal with the other side like they just get they just get they just get so horny for please and thank you i don't understand (laughs) like that's like they just love it i don't under like listen kurt you could you could curse me out and and call me a piece of shit as long as you're doing good for the people uh and pushing forward good policies i don't that's fine with me (laughs) i mean i don't care about civility in fact, that's the one, that's the one thing I hope gets carried over from the Trump from the Trump era that the era of civility in politics is dead. I mean, we don't want it. I don't want it. That's please. Well, and that's not always. I mean, that's a myth too. It's like it's not it hasn't always been this way. It, 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 you know, there were, I mean, definitely hasn't been this way. There, you know, Jackson is a perfect example. I mean, there's plenty of moments in history where people have gotten mad at each other on the, in, in, in Congress and, and gotten physical. Um, but I think like there's a mythology and, and Bernie falls for it too. I mean, he was the one who was like, Joe Biden is my friend. Joe Biden is my you know, my colleague, like he wouldn't go after him. And my mom, my, my mom, my both my parents are Bernie Sanders supporters. So it's not like they love Joe Biden. They just see it as such a different, I, I think, I think what Donald Trump did to them was what the, the, what the economy crashing did to millennials. They, the, the economy crashing in 2008 in particular, after plenty of other crises, essentially broke our mindset, broke our brainwash on what institutions were supposed to deliver for us. You know, we were supposed to go to school, get good jobs. Okay, great. Go to grad school. That's how you're, you're, you know, forget the idea of pensions and all the other stuff, social security. It was about how our, you know, our lives were architected, right? They were designed based on a system that collapsed before our eyes while we were still in school, just getting out of school. And I think what Donald Trump does to a lot of these boomers in a very different way is it's just like the idea of the presidency has just collapsed. And and then like all the things that have come with it. I don't even know if they can. And I, I, I definitely don't think most boomers can digest just exactly the specifics of what's at risk with the Trump presidency continuing because they're not able to hold Joe Biden's feet to the fire in the way that like, if they understood those risks, they would say, okay, great. I understand, like us, I understand we have to vote for Joe Biden. Fucking uh, yes, we get it. But we're not doing it without some conditions prior and after. And it's a real complicated strategic conversation we have to have. But I think that there's a class of of boomers who are unwilling to have that conversation because they think that if they have that conversation, it empowers Trump. Right. 
Does that make right. sense? Right. No, absolutely. And I want to make it clear to people who are listening because I always, I always, uh, you know, I, I, I love the generational war thing. Uh, I'm not someone who, who thinks, you know, oh, that's just the, no, I think there's something very true to the fact that uh, a majority of the, the problems in this country are because of decisions made by boomers. Obviously, not the entire generation had a hand in those, those, uh, those uh, choices and those decisions, but the ones who did are boomers. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just how it is. Sorry, good boomers. Yep, and, but, but here's the thing, too. The boomers who were truly affected by the pandemic, you know, job loss, loss of, uh, you know, worried they could pay their mortgage, uh, worried they're going to lose their, they can't pay their rent. Those aren't the ones who are sitting at home caring about the civility and politics. In fact, I doubt those people are really paying much attention to politics in general in terms of at least uh, Trump bad, got to, you know, you know, that, you know, that stuff doesn't even probably even... Go over, you know, most people, unless they're in this weird political bubble that we're in, uh, you know, most people just don't have the time to, to spend on that. I'm talking about, like, you know, the, the, the very comfortable people who, who just have a problem with, 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 you know, Trump's language and just how the, the norms being, like, that, like, that's the major issue. Like, they just don't, they just can't get it because they're not struggling. They're not hurt. The pandemic hasn't really taken right. anything from them. I mean... Except they can't go and get uh, you know a, a drink with uh, with their friends during Sunday brunch. You know what I mean? Like right. that's and and that's really who I feel like a lot of the DNC is for. And I get that's not everyone. I know there's, uh, but at least at least the white uh, people watching contingent of the DNC. That is a lot of who that is. Uh, just that just is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, did you notice during the DNC, somebody uh, tweeted out something like, workers, wait, 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 I have to find it. I'm going to find the exact thing because my dad posted it. My dad was like radicalized during the DNC. It's hysterical. He's His Instagram, go follow my dad on Instagram. He's blown up. It's just, it's a weird thing. <laughs> is your dad <laughs> an like, influencer yeah. now? I, he basically is. Damn. <laughs> He's no, he follows like all the meme accounts and he's like reposting all this stuff. It's hysterical. Um, but he posted something really funny. Wait, where is it? Uh, okay. Working class, help us please. Republicans, no. Democrats, no. Heart, hashtag BLM. Uh, <laughs> <in the pride laughs> that's so, good. I mean, that's like the convention to me, you, you said something important. Like uh, the, it's a certain class of white voters who buy this, but I noticed something, and this is, you know, I think Michael Brooks would be all in with me talking about this. I, I noticed something very odd about this convention. Either you were a rich white person or you were a person of color supporting Joe Biden. You were not a working class white person. Well, maybe towards the end, there were a couple of people, I shouldn't say that, but it, it, it was there. There was there. Surely weren't any people that were like outside of the elected officials who had run against Joe Biden, who have challenged Joe Biden in any way, um, who supported Bernie Sanders or, right. frankly, even Elizabeth Warren. Right. Uh, you we didn't you, have any you, 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 yes, that's. I was going to say. You mentioned right before we we went live that you know where were the union reps to to this is no. the Democratic Party. What's going this on here? Was insane. This is actually extremely unusual. You at least have one or two union leaders on on air. I mean, even in in Hillary's campaign, I believe, I believe Randy Weingarten spoke at the convention. Right. He's the president of the teachers union. Now, right now, of all moments, when you should have the president of the teachers union on, 
say what you I know a lot of people criticize me for mentioning Randy Meyer. Get over it, guys. She's the president of the teachers union. And Who else you, is gonna but, but that's but that's another that's another point. Yeah, the left's gonna complain about her, but that actually strengthens your point. The fact that you have a pro like an establishment supporting, you know, centrist supporting head of the teachers union, and they couldn't even find a place for her. They couldn't find a place for her, Randy Weingarten. They couldn't find a place for the person who effectively uh, ended the shutdown against Donald Trump, Sarah Nelson, who is a dynamo. I mean, she was on our show yesterday. I got to go check it out, the Nomi He Show. She is just one of those inspirational leaders. Flight attendants work. I mean, they, they, the, 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 the airline industry is, is, is it's a mess. If, it, if we can get on a plane next year, that will be a miracle, guys. So, you know, get ready to, like, start pumping gas and 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 make sure to like take your driving class because we're going to be driving on our next vacation like or taking ships across the sea because the fl- the flight attendants are at risk of losing their jobs right now wait breaking news Alyssa Milano is on screen right now just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Mark Dimenstein who is the postal workers union how can they talk about all these issues and not have anybody representing them what party are we we had old people run for governor of of, of the republican part under the republican party and people who are former republican malinari like no one knows who even boomers are like who is congresswoman malinari the only people i know who she is because i'm a you know a nerd a political nerd i'm from new york but like how is it that those people had slots in the convention and the union leaders, nurses, Bonnie Castillo, like none of these union leaders or union members, frankly, right. were on stage. Right. And those unions endorsed Joe Biden. What are you? Who right. are you? Yeah, that's that's another thing, too. Joe Biden, it's not like Joe Biden is some like, you know, Bloomberg type who's like Mr. He's like he's like Mr. Bossman. And, and, you know, he his whole shtick is that he's blue collar working class kind of guy he supports the joe yep. schmoes the you know the the you know the, the the working man the common man what where were those people it was just it was bizarre it's not it's not even like this would have went against joe it just strengthened the whole the whole joe biden meme of who he is I, just weird well because that's ultimately it it's a meme that's it You've just said it. What this illustrated, this convention, and I think people are starting to understand this in a more, in a, in a deeper way than we've been talking about this. People who are involved with the DNC on the quote-unquote reform side for a long time, but um, Jim Zogby, Dr. Jim Zogby, who's a was part of the Jesse Jackson campaign, was the first person to introduce the idea of like Palestinians being people uh, and a recognized state. Uh, at the DNC, and it still is not recognized. And you know, the attacks on Linda Sarsour today are, are are evidence of that. Um, but Jim Zogby, you know, sh- he was on the Unity Reform Commission on the Platform Committee. He's a chair of the Sanders Institute. He's a long time. He is deputy campaign manager for Jesse Jackson, like real guy. Right. And he said, you know, Nomi, I've been. He says this all the time. Nomi, I've been on the DNC for for 25 years. I've been in this fight for. I've been to every convention, you know, since he was like 25, whatever it is. It's like the DNC always treats us DNC members like we're props, whether it's a convention or a meeting. They don't tell you what's happening. They don't have real votes. 
They have dynamic speakers. You're part of the women's committee, the ethnic council, the youth council, whatever it is. And you show up and you see some speakers and um, nothing happens. And for him, you know, he was on the executive committee of the DNC. He never saw a budget of the DNC. They would show, you know, what their idea of a budget was last year was a pie chart. I, you're, you're part of hell. Any of these big banks that should be investigated, they still show their budgets prior right. to spending to their executive board, not after. I mean, that was like the compromise. I mean, like, well, at least show it to us afterwards. No, there's no line items. And so you sit there and you say to yourself, okay, so what is this? It's just theatrics. It is just a song. It's a commercial. And of course, there's contracts attached to it. So the, the convention right now, I mean, this is, it's a major effort. The staff usually, um, staff of the DNC who stays there forever and doesn't get elected, uh, they have a big part in this. And, you know, and there's there's a whole kickback game that happens with consultants. And, I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate. And we saw that at the 2016 convention when half the delegation, because there's some stuff that they can't fight off, right? Like democracy. So right. <laughs> Bernie still had like almost half the, the delegates. And, and and we were, if you watched on TV, it seemed really great. But if you were there in the convention room, half the convention walked out. We had noise cancelers. Our, our signs were being pulled out of our hands. If we went to the bathroom, our chair would be removed. We had nowhere to sit. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. But again, props. It's what appears on camera in front of your eyes. And so what was so interesting about this convention is they didn't have to go through all that. All they had to do I... was create the illusion. Right. It was the perfect... It was the perfect convention for Joe Biden. I mean, I yes. cannot imagine like it couldn't have. I, I know that the, the Republicans who are, you know, the, the far right wingers who think the pandemic was a hoax set up to take down Trump. I mean, that's bullshit. But I get where the conspiracy comes from because it couldn't have happened to a right. presidential nominee who could benefit from it more than Joe Biden. Again, it just worked out that way. The pandemic is real. I don't want anyone taking conspiracies out of this. But I mean it just worked in his favor. It was a it was a convention for Joe Biden. At least the Joe Biden of today. Who knows what a past Joe Biden had it would have how would he you know would have handled it. But um you know, it, it, and he stayed on the teleprompter. He did a good job. He didn't freak, he didn't call his his daughter his mom or something. Yeah, I mean the speech was good. Most of the speeches did. The, I mean, they again not they weren't for me. Most of the speeches, but most of the speeches seemed to do what they were supposed to do. Um, one thing I noticed to bring up before when you were talking about like the union people who were who were given the boot, uh, a number of like local or just statewide officials given time because of their ideological uh, standing and literal congresswomen, literal house members, not even put in promotional video packages. Uh, you would not even know from watching this that the first two Muslim women to ever hold office in Congress who were Democrats are, are in Congress right now. No right. Rashida Tlaib, no Ilhan Omar. I get that the Democratic Party doesn't like them. It couldn't be any clearer, no matter whatever Nancy Pelosi said, oh, yeah, I endorsed them because they were going to win anyway. Uh, just not even a, a second in a promo package. Like, just they don't exist to the Democratic Party at this event. Uh, AOC wouldn't have even, her face wouldn't have been anywhere 
the youngest woman ever nominated to ever in Congress, not nominated, elected. Just elected to Congress. Yeah. Elected to Congress. Yeah. Right. She would not have been there. She wouldn't have had a presence if it wasn't for Bernie asking her to be the one to nominate him. Uh, just really just stunning. And this is, again, an event where uh, from a party that just loves to bolster their, you know, their identity politics history making. That's just, you know, the first, uh, you know, first uh, this person to do this, first that person to do this. And I get it. Those are things to definitely be proud of. Yet they weren't proud of these three women who made history. Just, it's no, just... of course not. I mean, it, 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 Pelosi had no problem appearing on the cover of Time magazine. I mean, it, it really goes back to donors. It's always donors, right? The DNC, literally the Democratic National Campaign offices, the, the building that they're housed in on South Capitol Street in Washington, D.C., which is the DNC, the DCCC, and I don't know what's going on, T-Bird. If you guys are watching right now, there is a comedian uh, squatting, jumping up and down. I don't... Dan- in teal who is, boots who's the comedian she looks i don't know who this person is she just did a, a split in the middle of the floor i don't know i don't have the sound on i mean she looks funny but i'm just like is this right for the convention it's really weird <laughs> she's wearing like shorts and like teal boots and now she's doing a squat she's literally sticking her leg up like i don't know what's going on i'm gonna guys. try to pull this up on my phone because i gotta see this now i don't want to overload is, my computer this is insane I'm, she's doing a she just did a split in her kitchen where she put her legs out in between the counters what it's like a gymnastics routine I mean I'm sure we'd all think she's funny but again and then there's a woman doing sign language next splits in her kitchen which is a huge kitchen by the way like who has a kind of kitchen like that it's a comedian um, and that isn't like Jerry Seinfeld and she's doing these splits. And then meanwhile, there's someone doing sign language to whatever comedy action. I don't know what's going on anyways, but that's an example of just like, what? Um, <laughs> this is like the, uh, the aristocrats, the aristocrats, right? But the Democrats, you know, that's yeah, the, the... exactly. It's yeah. I, I'm going to watch this one over again. Um, what were we saying? Sorry, it was just very distracting. No, oh. I totally get that someone <laughs> doing splits during oh, a demo. Sanders is on TV now, guys. Who? Bernie? 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 Simone Sanders. Oh, Bernie at least said Bernie. Spoke. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, we could, uh, yeah. All right. She's next. Anyways, yeah, I think, I mean, it's very distracting. If we had, like, if it was up on the screen, we'd be able to talk about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Democrats are, are, they're they're very good at like like hashtagging as we all know it's like a corporate branded uh you know it's it's all about a corporate branded message but at the end of the day the democratic you know national committee the building that they operate out of one of the major donors is a huge pro-israel apac donor and that's a big part of the party i mean alan dershowitz just three years ago was part of an effort to get keith ellison out of the chairship because Keith Ellison was Muslim. Right. And they right. you know, Tom Perez. And there was a major effort, a smear effort against Keith Ellison to certain committee members of the DNC so that they wouldn't vote for him. And then it was it became a press peg and that really affected Ellison. And Ellison barely lost. I actually think he it was the vote was uh, messed with. But 
Mm-hmm. That just shows you the dynamic of what's happening in the DNC. That's been reported on before. They like played some games in the final. They they had a second ballot, and then suddenly all these people came out of nowhere to vote. Um, well, didn't didn't uh, didn't uh, what wasn't Pete Buttigieg part of that uh, that that whole thing? Yeah, right. He was running for uh, DNC that year. And... Yeah, <sighs> he was just who was running for DNC. People are like, who is this person? Why does he think he's he can run for DNC? Because he just, you know, it, it was, it was, and he didn't say anything. All right. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, this is, Matt, I don't want to like depress people, but if Joe Biden is the president, the Democratic Committee is controlled by the Democrats. Center for American Progress is like back in action. And probably some other organizations are back in action. That means we have to stop getting petty over like whatever, you know, Alex Morse, you know, smear effort that right. like, we have to stop falling for this stuff. We have to be right. more sophisticated. We can't hold our leaders to the standards of, there's there's a different, like we have to prioritize our standards. Right. Is the priority to defeat Nancy Pelosi or is it I'm gonna read a Politico article which is not accurately sourced and then suddenly like Shahid like ignore him and retract an endorsement. Okay, great. So. You know, you fell for a trick. That's called a dirty trick. Welcome to politics. We have to wise up because this is no matter what happens under Trump or under the Biden administration, this is going to be tough for progressives because now they have the power. All right. Let me let me. Uh, let, there's a few uh, uh, live chat questions, so let me get to these, and then I, I, you you've, you have a little bit more time to uh, spend here. I want to get cool. I'm still watch this crazy DNC that's still going on. It's very confusing. So uh, it's the comedy hour. Camille <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a live uh, uh, with a uh, super chat says uh, the DNC felt like a slap in the face, platforming all those Republicans and shunning progressives. What really was the point to all that? It's very demoralizing as a leftist, right? It's not for you. That's the thing. They don't care about you. They don't want you. It's not meant for you to uh, to feel mortalized and, and ready to and fired up. They don't, you know, that's, you're not the audience. Um, no. they co- 2016, same thing. How did, how'd it go? Was it great? Did it work out well? Right. C- Colin says, uh, did you know Joe has experienced personal loss? Eh, I'm not gonna go there. I mean, it is a very sad story. His story. That's not, there's so many things you could hit Joe Biden for. I mean, obviously right. they're going to use that cause it's a very, you know, it's a good way to hook people into someone. If you could feel empathy towards someone, you know, it gets you on a human level. Uh, it just is what it is. I, you know, it's a sad story. I'm not going to hit Joe Biden there when there's actual stuff to, 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 to go after him. But Colin continues with another super chat. Bloomberg is so creepy and having him there is obscene. Now, this, Colin, is where I will 100% agree with you. There was no point to Bloomberg being there. You can't even use the argument... Oh, you know, Democrats needed to give him that slot because you know they need to cozy up with him because he's giving them all this money. He, 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 he pulled that money back. He's not giving them anywhere near as much as he originally right. said he would give. That's right. Yeah, and not only that, like, you know, how can you be the the party that uh, honors Black Lives in this moment and then put Michael Bloomberg, who stopped and frisked you know, New Yorkers who cozied up to the NYPD, who, I mean, the broken windows policies. How can you, po- gentrification, who, 
had 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 the poor tax on communities. I mean, that's just the beginning. You know, he wants to privatize schools. He's 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 a charter school freak. Freak, I say. Um, I don't understand. How can you put this man on stage who literally does not, he, he believes in climate change? Does he? I mean, what is he actually doing to, I, I'm, 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 I'm like, there's no reason. There's no reason other than the fact that he's like pals with the Clintons and he's pals with like some of the DNC members who are his consultants. You know, there's really no other reason for him to be on stage because there's nothing about this moment that, that garners him a speaking slot that's larger than AOC's, uh, a speaking slot over Rashida Tlaib, a speaking slot over Ilhan Omar, speaking slot over, you know, Barbara Lee spoke, but she spoke in a montage of folks. I mean, there's so many people who could have spoken at this speaking slot over Sarah Nelson, speaking slot over Mark Dimenstein of the flight. Or how many times they say postal workers? Right. How many times they say post office and teachers? Right. And I mean, do they do they say Bloomberg uh, LLC just as many times? No. All right. Well, they they did have you know instead of getting a, a you know literally they could have just gotten a, a male worker a male man or a woman they could have they didn't even need to get it they just have someone who delivers mail for a living go up on the sta- the, the screen there but you know they, they did have that comedian who lip syncs to Trump talk about how important mail in voting is I mean because vote. vote right right I don't know Matt if you if you know just vote right. That's all. That's all. That's all it was. Like vote, vote. Listen, even Obama. Now we talked about this on the majority report earlier. Even Obama, it was like you know, say what you could think, whatever you think about Obama. You know, but one thing that he's always been good at is campaigning, whether for himself or someone else. He turn yeah. he he brings back campaign mode Obama, and it's it honestly whether you like him or I don't know how like campaign mode Obama is actually so hard to not like. He is so energetic and 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 fired up and witty and you know it's he's really good that's like when he is is on point and at his best right and for this i guess it was just like the there's no crowd for him to to pull energy from i don't know he could have still done it we got just monotone to the you know to the camera i mean he did get emotional at points but not emotional in the way that fires people up you know he was just president obama which was not Nobody killed it. Yeah. Literally, nobody killed it. Um, I think actually, I think out of everybody, the person who killed it the most was who? Jill Biden. Jill. Yeah, I really. Was... I thought it was. It, you know, I don't know what she personally stands for, but I thought it was. I, I thought it was a nice moment. She's a teacher. She was there. She talks about teachers. I mean, this is what people are concerned about right now. She talked. She leaned. You know, they leaned into talking about how she was teaching while she was. Her husband was the vice president. She didn't have to do that. You know. Right. She's, she's, by the way, she's, she's, she's not a doctor of medicine, Whoopi Goldberg. I know you might think that she could be. (laughs) Whoopi told me that she's a great doctor. What are you talking about? (laughs) She's the next, I thought she was going to be the next Surgeon General. What's going on here? I think it might be a conflict of interest now if she become, you know, (laughs) can't be First Lady and that. Unbelievable. Yeah, just unbelievable. Whoopi, no. She said it with authority. Right. Yeah, yeah, people were, people... People would probably hear that and they'd think, oh, come on. She heard that she was a doctor and she thought the Surgeon General thing. Yeah, that'd be fine, I guess, if that's all she said. But that's not all she said. Like you just mentioned, with authority, she declared, Jill Biden's a great doctor. It's just like, what? Also, like, there are so many types of doctors. I wouldn't even say, like, a doctor of 
a podiatrist could be the Surgeon General, you know? That's a right. real doctor. Right. A very real doctor. Like, probably still wouldn't say, like, Jill Biden's a great podiatrist. Probably shouldn't be Surgeon General. Just going right. to leave it there. Uh, oh, my God. What is going on, Matt? This is a mess. <laughs> all right. Uh, Kami, uh, Clement with a blank super chat, just wanted to give us props, I guess. Thank you, Clement. Uh, Kamiye says, this year's DNC was like watching a centrist slash Republican version of the Emmys. Yes, it did really feel like that, didn't it? It felt like a, like an award show of some sort. It really was a yeah. bizarre type. The, the host, Julia Louis-Dreyfus she was the best of the hosts in terms of delivery. You can tell yes. she's just very comfortable yes. with hosting. Yes. So, you know, no comment on the content of what she was saying. I thought a lot of the jokes fell flat um, in general. But um, she was, you know, very good at hosting. The other nights, though, were just like, this is like, just because you're an actor and on screen all the time doesn't mean you're good at live TV. I think a lot of people know, like, it's sort of like a general rule, actually, in, like, the the television and movie industry where it's like, you know, someone who makes movies where there's a director and lots of cutting and lots of takes, they're not necessarily going to be good on stage or doing live television. It, it's it's not something that, you know, that... It's, yeah. It was just, yeah, it wasn't as good as, you know, Lou, Julia Louis-Dreyfus was a good host, but that's about it, really. Well, she was an improv, she was an improv artist. Right. I mean, I, I just have to say... Um, can I just move my computer over so you can see what's on screen right now? Because it's it's, it's it's like, it's so much. I'm going to move it back. It is a little bit much, and I think your audience deserves to see this. This is Diplo. Oh, my see? God. Oh. oh. Wait, wait, oh. wait. The stuff is not in this. He had Diplo. Wait, graphics. Come bring back the graphics. He's been doing this for, like, 15 minutes. Oh, my God. And what? And then there were graphics. Where'd the graphics go? Come back. This is literally like the DNC's after party right now. This is so bizarre. This was like, do you remember? Did you see then, that? Did you see that one uh, after the first night with uh, yeah. the American flag in the background and the weird like uh, green screen effects with the the I don't remember who yeah. was singing. Just bizarre stuff. He has like he doesn't need those speakers in the corner. He understands he's on. This is TV. This isn't like. You don't need that. Oh, look at there we go. Here's some graphics. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Okay, okay. Oh, I Can see, you see that. that on the yeah, yeah. What? Why are they doing this? But he had other stuff before. He had like Diplo coming. Oh my God. What for is for people who are just watching the podcast right now, what Nomi is showing us is Diplo, who's like a, for people who aren't familiar, he's like a DJ. Uh, uh, and he's literally in front of a green screen. Uh, but you don't see the green screen, obviously, because he, oh, they've, they've put him. In on the White House lawn, the White House is behind him, and he's just—it's just, it's just With bizarre. Psychedelic colors now in the background. Oh right, there's like a like yeah, psychedelic space graphics behind this the White House. What happens when you're like a 50 year old DJ? This is yeah. This is what right, you, I got. Yeah. This is what you. This is what you do when you're trying. This is like the whole the whole weird stuff about the DNC musical acts. It's like what you do when you're trying. <laughs> Now he's flying. Now he's flying. Oh my god. They had him. Oh, what is this, guys? He's flying to the arena. Can you see this? Or my. What, what arena? The one in Wisconsin? He just flew into the arena and now he's DJing at the DNC. 
Oh my, but no one's there. Right. He's, he's DJing to nobody. <laughs> he literally, he was DJing in front of the White House and then they zoomed his body above the White House, up and over to the outside of the DNC arena and into it. And now they're all these like fake hands, like it's a T-Mobile commercial, like cheering great coverage or something. This, oh, you know, it's, this is what you do when you, you, you're like a, uh, 50 plus year old person who's putting this together and you know that the kids are weird nowadays so you're trying to be weird too you know it just bizarre just bizarre they just got high they were like all right it's legal now let's just put this together i actually think these are the young ones i think these are like the dorks you know what i mean not the dorks the hacks right i know some of these people at the dnc i'm like there's no way but then again there's they're the young democrats i was a young democrat at one point but let me be clear there was no other, there was no sunrise, there was no, there were barely a, D, a DSA. Like, there were, like, five old guys in a room meeting, like, you know. The, the, the young Democrats were, like, organizing anti-war demonstrations in, like, 2004. Right, in, that's... In Arizona. That, that's, the, that's the thing, though. Like, you know, there's always been the left versus, you know, the, the party. But at least, at least in modern times, uh, you know, I, 2000 forward, I would say, you know, with the Bush presidency, the 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 Democratic Party was uh, at least not the Democratic Party, I should say, because a lot of those people voted for the war. Uh, but the the Democratic base was right there alongside the left in a lot of ways with the anti-war movement. It, it's just so weird. Like Obama gets elected, and those the Democratic yes. base just becomes full on like. Democrat stands like you don't you can't yes. treat you can't treat politics like that. That's not how it works. These people aren't your favorite celebs. These people are elected officials. You got to hold their feet to the fire, even if you like them. You don't need right. to not like them to do this. Like they're not your friends, but you don't have to like be mean to them if you don't want to. But you can still criticize them when they're wrong. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't get it at all. It's just. Uh. Well, and that's why you're left with a DNC staff. That's like, they're not true. I mean, I shouldn't say there's some good. So I, there's some people who are like, they're, trust me, there are people in the DNC staff that are like DSA members, but they're not the ones like putting this on. Yeah, I don't, I don't get <laughs> how you could be a young Democrat. I don't understand. I know there's, there's honestly, there's honestly not many of them. I would say like the 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 young people, millennials and Gen Z, Gen Z people, who are into who are political, are leftists or just don't care, or they aren't political yeah. at all. Like there's such a small amount of them who are like Democrat, proud Democrats, and I just don't get them though. I just don't understand. Like they're hacks. I mean, you come from a place of privilege. It's that simple, I guess, right? I mean, I think they want jobs. I mean, it's like this guy who's, you know, who was working with uh, against Alex Morris. Who's, right. He, he was like not even an official role. Wasn't he? He was like kissing ass because he wanted a job with Neil and like and and that's New York is full of those folks. There's a lot of those folks like that who will. You know, they're the kinds of guys like you're at a forum and you're running for office. You know, the leftist candidates happened to me a few times and people would show up in the room. And they'd ask you a question. They were like told they're put up to it to ask a question. And you'd be like, you know, I remember responding be like, oh, did, did my opponent tell you to ask that question? Like, oh, no, I was just really curious. So 
um, why does your voter ID say that you uh, were registered in 2000, whatever, like some stupid wonky question that nobody right. cares about as a voter and also isn't necessarily true. It's probably like oppo research. Those are those people. Those right. are the people that are putting this on. They're the they're the ones who are like, well, I might get a job on a, on Richard Neal's campaign as uh, in 2024 as the, uh, the deputy, deputy, deputy uh, organizer of digital programming i'm like, i'm i'm a big fan of your democratic hack impression right now okay. <laughs> i'll bring it i'll bring it back i got a lot of them <laughs> so let's actually let's actually you know we're, we're still i think this is still in the realm of the conversation of the dnc but i do want to bring this to you because you brought up alex morse and you know, you said something on Twitter to me earlier. Uh, I think it was last week, actually, when this whole story broke. I talked about it on the uh, Patreon half of the uh, podcast of this podcast uh, last week as well. Uh, in addition to on the Majority Report last week, but uh, you know, this thing that happened to Morse, where where this letter accusing him of basically being a creep to college students by the College Democratic Party, the, 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 camp, the, the Democrats on the college campus in, in Massachusetts, uh, when there was no victim who came out. And then all this stuff came out about how, the per like you mentioned, the person who, who helped uh, form this letter and get these allegations that don't exist out there was this guy who just wanted a job with who Morse is running against. But you said something interesting, that this is something that's like, permeates throughout all these oh, different yeah. campaigns what what can you can you divulge anything is there something I mean, yeah I, there's there's a pattern here i don't want to there's some races right now i don't want to i don't want to call attention to this stuff because it's just like the perpetual um effort to smear leftist candidates and sometimes the stories get picked up sometimes they don't sometimes they're just like minor little things that happen online yeah i mean this is this is not new there's the, the dirty tricks um don't just happen on the right it's not just a roger stone thing it's something that happens on the left as well and not only i mean it, the democratic party it also happens on the left left it happens with institutions if institutions have some sort of financial incentive and that does happen with some of our candidates you I'm, I'm sorry two things can be held at the same time you can have institutions supporting some great candidates out there that we support as a movement but institutions you know will also have financial interest in keeping those ca candidates moving forward Lef leftist institutions on the scale so you know um i think that there what I'll tell you, I'll say that when you have a growing movement like we have right now, and you have um, organizations that are growing rapidly, and you have very little barriers of entry, like DSA, for instance, and depending on where you are, what state, what city, um, sometimes people, you know, can join and they might not have the most uh, authentic intentions, and they might be put up to cause um, unrest and put smears out there and gossip that gets picked up. And I think right now when we have a media, uh, like Politico, for instance, that does not have fact checkers on staff, um, that perpetuates, like, there's some people who work there who will just write up stories that are straight out of an opposition research memo, or they'll talk to somebody who will try to cancel someone. Um, and there's very little investigation. And so cancel culture becomes a weapon of, of the corporate class, um, of institutions. And when you have organizations, you know, leftist candidates 
always want volunteers. And so if you want to run for office, I, I will give you some advice really early. Um, you know, volunteers are great. They're not professionals and they, you need volunteers. I'm not discounting volunteers. I want to say that like from the get go, but there is a different way of dealing with campaigns when you're dealing with someone who's worked on a campaign before. And so I know I see this a lot with campaigns is they want to elevate volunteers who might not always understand the rhythms and mechanics of campaigns, the pace of it, it's a pressure cooker. So sometimes we're seeing, I'm seeing this a lot with campaigns right now. You'll see some people who may have been let go eight, 10, maybe even a year before because it just wasn't the right job for them, whatever the reason is. Um, and then they complain like, oh, it was a hostile work environment. Well, you know, it's a campaign. <laughs> it's, right. a, it's a hostile culture. Um, doesn't, I'm not making excuses for, for some, some, you know, I'm not like, like Amy Klobuchar throwing staplers at people. I'm saying like, when you start to read into some of these stories, you're like, wait, where's the there there? Right. So I've read a few stories recently where I'm just like, I'm a reporter, you know, some very basic truths you need to establish before publishing something. Number one, a specific, a specific event. Is there a specific event? Right. Is there somebody who's on the record? Are there two or three validators that can val validate that? Is there actual evidence or proof of that allegation? And even if there is an allegation, is it something that is actually worthy of publishing? Right. So if it was like, in one instance with one of the campaigns I know about, the thing that was published was, she took my computer away from me and emailed the people directly. How is that? What is that? What is that? Right. She took... She emailed the donors directly. She had the nerve to to grab the computer and say, oh, let me rewrite the email. How is that an allegation? Right. And that was presented with a bunch of other things, like um, she was short with me, or uh, uh, she's always stressed out and wouldn't give me the time. Um, you know, it, it, that's not real. That's not a real thing. Campaigns right. are not, like, that's not how it works. It's right. it's It's a... It's a very unusual environment, and unless you've had experience, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't unionize, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't treat your workers fairly. I want to make that very clear. But I think sometimes the left is falling into this pattern of of not really understanding what these um, allegations are, and if they're real, number one, if they're validated, and if it's actually a, a, an allegation that's like worthy of presenting. And with the Alex Moore situation, um, they were working with a guy named Jim Roosevelt, who is known as the fixer at the DNC. Literally, the rules fixer. He's been on the rules committee. He's FDR's grandchild. Uh, he's is, from he Massachusetts. The, is he the Roger Stone of the Democratic Party? No, no, no. He's very... Um, I was on the Unity Reform Commission with him. He's very uh, dry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Roger Stone right. had a tattoo of Nixon on his back. Right, right, right. You know, Jim Roosevelt's just like... But that's what makes him effective. It's like, right. oh, you don't even know Jim Roosevelt exists. He's just, he's like, he's the he's the so, grand the grandchild of of FDR. Damn. Yeah. How how yeah. did jeez how far that's fallen? I mean, <laughs> how far the Roosevelt family has fallen? <laughs> I mean, you know, look, look at look at Joe Kennedy. Hey. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing. The Nancy Pelosi coming out. And endorsing him because because Maki dared dared to have a good line that apparently to her sullied the Kennedy name in his uh, in his uh, campaign ad. Just 
Incredible. But, you know, that should open the floodgates. I never want to hear one asshole on Twitter tweet at a, uh, a Democratic primary uh, insurgent challenger that, why are you doing this to an incumbent? Democrats need to unite. You're the House Speaker, the literal, right. one of the leaders of the Democratic Party just opened the floodgates saying everyone should be primaried. It's okay right. to do. Just incredible. Right. You know, I mean, also, really- you know, let me just... This is an important thing. The The establishment shows up for their people. We don't always. And so I, I find it... I'm not saying that Marky's always been there for us, because he hasn't. He's not as progressive as we're, we're laying him out to be. He's fine. He's progressive. He's the progressive person in this race, and obviously... You know, he's for the Green New Deal, and he partnered up with AOC, and that somehow shook them, and, and Kennedy thought he could get away with primarying him. But I think the reason—I I don't want to put words in, in uh, Bernie's mouth at all, but, like, Bernie is not endorsing. He's choosing not to endorse, and I don't really see—why not? You have the power. You're not running for president again. Right. Maybe—I mean, he's your fellow senator. Like— this is what the establishment does for their people. And it shouldn't only be when there's this grand coalition and it's politically opportunistic for you to endorse somebody. Like, we have to be there for our people. If they put their necks out for us, and Marky didn't for Bernie, I understand that. He didn't endorse Bernie. But if they put, if, if, if it's another candidate, and there are plenty of candidates, they put their necks out for, for Bernie or AOC or whoever, you know, there is this loyalty that the establishment has. Um, no, Hillary Clinton would never, ever, ever ignore somebody who worked for her. If they were running for office, she'd endorse them right away. And then that gives you the that gives them the edge. If Bernie Sanders came in right after Nancy Pelosi and endorsed Ed Markey, let me tell you, Ed Markey, this is how power works. Ed Markey would owe Bernie Sanders. And so that's power. Right. I came in and I saved you. So it's just, there's a pettiness that we got to let go of and understand they see power in a different way. They will endorse people that they hate if it means that they keep their power. Right. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of this, like, uh, people stepping over each other to outwoke one another. And, 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 and it's, it's so bizarre. The whole thing, I, I say it's like how, you know, like, obviously there's nothing wrong with identity politics because all politics is identity politics but there is a real weaponization of identity politics in bad faith and it always bites the left in the ass one example and i have this person actually i think they do good work i'm not going to mention them other than this just came to mind they're just like a, a, a a dsa activist who puts together these really great spreadsheets of information to like about candidates and, and they do really, she does really, this person does really good work, but I saw them tweet out something in reference to the, um, the uh, upcoming city council races next year. And the person said, speaking about uh, one of the candidates, you know, I really hate it when uh, a, a white candidate runs in a district that's majority uh, people of color. And I get it generally. Generally, I get it. But that there wasn't no distinction made in terms of also what does this person stand for? Because in my district, the favorite to win is, uh, the city council race is one of Grace Ming's uh, uh, associates. Congressman Grace, Congressman right. Grace Ming's associates. And 
she, uh, looking into her, I found out that she, two years ago, hit the streets for Joe Crowley and literally yeah. campaigned for him to make sure AOC lost. Of course. So, oh, I mean... She's part of the machine, of course. Right. Yeah. So, so why do we not, like, why, like, but I guarantee you that next year when she runs for office, there's going to be a whole elect women thing around her without any mention of the fact that she tried to stop AOC from winning so a white man could beat AOC. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is it's like we I, I understand what DSA they're putting forward an intersectional uh, platform. It's very important and having people that are representative districts. But it, it, it also isn't always true. I mean, um, there are candidates that have been supported that were not from the district that don't look like the district at all, actually, but are people of color. Um, and it's not deep. And there are candidates who've been supported that have taken APAC money. There are DSA candidates. There have been candidates supported who have taken real estate money um, and said that they weren't going to, and there was no stink. So what are we? What is DSA? And so right. these are important. If you don't have values, and, and, and some of that happens because, you know, there are people in the room who may not have the right interests in mind. There are people in the room who may... Um, be DSA members now that also work for other parties, other organizations that want to make sure that there's a coalition behind the candidate that that organization is trying to pick. So they want to put their people in the room at DSA so that they have a coalition so that that party can make money. You know, the, the, the interesting thing, too, on top of all that, is that the voters, actually, the majority of voters don't even give a shit about this 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 no, this uh, weaponization of entity. I mean, Rashida Tlaib is a perfect example. Everyone thought she was going to lose because she represents a majority black district and the person running against her was a black woman. And she beat her by a lot because the majority of voters don't give a shit about that. You know, if, if that black woman was a, a candidate as good as Rashida Tlaib, would she have won? Possibly. Maybe that is the just the edge if you have a candidate two candidates who are pretty much the same on paper, but the voters actually know that they're not the same on paper and they're not going right. to fall for just the identity politics of it without, you know, without thinking of the other imp actual important stuff on top of it too. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. And, and now with mail-in voting, people are uh, doing their research more, it seems, and they're at home and they can think about it. They don't have to rush to the polls and make a decision, you know, in, in, in the spur of the moment, um, you know, on their work break, uh, their lunch break, whatever it is, it's, it's, it, we're, we're going to see some sort of shift. Um, I believe, but we have to be really sophisticated. We can't fall for these tricks. We have to think about, you know, platform first, um, how power works, how we're loyal to people who believe in our values. And, 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 uh, you know, there, there are folks who are out there trying to listen, they, they want to divide us. So they're going to, it's really easy for them to put a few people in the room to propose candidates and ideas and say things like, well, Rashida Tlaib is not African-American, so she's not going to get the black vote, which is not true, clearly. Um, they, they, they so doubt. That's it. Matt, I have to go to bed. I know you do. <laughs> you do. Thank you so much for sticking around as long as you did. Uh, you went I way hate to over. I cut it like no, that. You, no, I'm... no, it was, it was just so interesting. Diplo's still on. So, I mean, I didn't go that much over. The DNC's partying it up right now in their living right. rooms. Right. We're, so we're, we're, DNC's cooler than us because we're going to clock out and they're still going to be uh, hanging out in front on the White House lawn, apparently. <laughs> 
Well, now they're in um, the mountains of seems like Colorado, but then there's also some tropical rainforests. So I'm not sure where they are, to be honest. Mm. Uh, that's the background. <laughs> Right. Um, no, but I, I, I appreciate you. I'm glad that we had this conversation. I have a big show tomorrow, so that's kind of why I have you to wake do. up early No, tomorrow, I totally so. get it. No, you. I was going to, you know, I knew I was going to say, you have a big show tomorrow, right? So, no, Miki, thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we should do this more. Uh, and Can we, uh, let's go meet in Astoria Park or something or or Flushing Meadows or something. Right, we should, definitely. I mean, no, no, no one else is doing a, a live things like that. Maybe we could. That, that could be like the niche we carve out because of our our locale. Yeah, there we go. Switch in front of like uh, uh, the what's what's the tennis stadium called? Oh, Arthur, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Stadium. Yeah, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Yeah. All right, no, Miki. Break in. We can just go play tennis. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Why not? No one else is there. Uh, everyone, go check out the Nomiki show. Also, go watch. Know me on the majority port tomorrow. Anything else you want to Noam plug? Chom- right. Uh, no. Tomorrow's Noam Chomsky, Bhaskar Sankara. Uh, I think Sam's going to call in if he can if he can make it work. Um, and then I believe Brianna jo- Joy Gray is joining us as well. Uh, so that's going to be a crazy show tomorrow. All star and- cast. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Matriarch. Make sure to to support Matriarch. I'm on the board of it. It's an organization that supports working class. Uh, women running for Congress, as we discussed. And we just had a big win with Corey Bush. She's one of our founding members who I think we're competing with. She's on Jimmy Kimmel right now, maybe. I don't know. Or is, Jimmy is, Fallon. Is, is, there, is there a candidate in an upcoming race that just, you don't, I know you don't yeah. have a lot of time, just throw out one that we should all be paying attention to and throwing our support behind? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the rules. Go ahead. No, uh, I, I was actually, <laughs> I was limiting it for you. If you want to go with more, please. Uh, Isam Lakey is running um, in Massachusetts 4th District. She's got an election on September 1st. Uh, she's running to fill Joe Kennedy's seat. It's a crowded race. She's definitely the most to the left. She's endorsed by Ilhan Omar um, and Matriarch, of course. And then we have uh, Marquita Bradshaw, who won the Tennessee primary with 9000 bucks against the DSCC candidate. She's the U.S. Senate candidate running in a general election. Make sure to check her out. Uh, we endorsed her this last week. It was a big deal. So... Yeah, those are our two upcoming races. Awesome. All right, Nomi, take care. Thank you again Thank for joining you so me. Much for having me. Have a good Appreciate night. It. Super fun. Bye. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was a lot of fun. That was really great. I should do more really like late night shows. I think the vibe of it's much different. Everyone's a bit, you know looser after a certain time it seems i remember it was sort of like this for some of the uh post-debate shows too that i did uh, let me pull up uh i went really long with uh no me so i don't think being that it's a special post dnc show i don't think i'm gonna take the time to cut to the uh the patron only half i'm gonna go a little bit longer but not a full patron show um I'm, it's all it's almost 1 a.m so i'm gonna go a little bit longer just a few stuff here to talk about, and then uh, that'll be it for tonight. Um, I would like to, uh, first of all, patreon.com slash mapbinder. Uh, the show is growing uh, at, uh, maybe other shows, this isn't quite uh, Roadrunner-esque speeds, but for this show it is. We've got dozens of uh, patrons in the past couple of weeks. 
Um, and I've been able to, as you can probably tell if you've been watching this show, upgrade the camera situation. I'm using a new camera, much higher quality, coming in at 4K, but I think actually it can't, even though the camera is 4K, I think the stream clocks out at 1080p, which is a step up from uh, the previous one too, though. It's not, a, it's not your, I'm not using a webcam, I'm using a mirrorless camera. Um, also, there is, uh, uh, the YouTube channel's been growing a bit, youtube.com slash mapbender. And uh, things are going good. So if you could support the show via uh, financial means, again, that's patreon.com slash mapbender, uh, doomthepod.com for the podcast. Uh, again, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash mapbender. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're on social media, uh, either at mapbender or just search mapbender, and I'll come up the few places I'm not at mapbender on. And, uh, yeah, uh, thank you to all the patrons, uh, for do for, for supporting the show. Uh, literally cannot do it without you. Uh, I, there's a few more super chats I'll get to, and then we'll call it a night. Um, Renee says, vote locally, revolt globally. Oh, Clement gave me that matriarch question, which matriarch candidates have primaries coming up that we can support? I just wanted to get the question into Nomi before she had to jump, but thank you, Clement. That was a great question. Uh, Colin says, the darkest, the most frightening thing is the promise of a return to the glorious American empire. Also, Joe voted for Iraq. Right. Grim says, Nomi is another victim of stupid poll. Well, uh, no. I mean... Grim, I know you're you're the you're the you're the, you're the resident. Um, I don't want to say curmudgeon, because I don't think that's exactly it. But you will be very pessimistic, and trust me. I I mean, again, the show is called Doomed. It's welcome here. Um, uh, I I think calling out. The different aspects of left wing, the, the left wing subculture, I guess you can say, because not all of it is directly related to politics, just like all the different, this, this stuff falls over into, you know, uh, the, the left and its reaction to, you know, entertainment and comedy and all sorts of other things. Um, I, I think there's a huge difference between calling out the ways these things are weaponized against the left, which I do all the time, but you never say I'm stupid, Paul. Um, and then actually being someone who doesn't believe in identity politics or talks shit about identity politics, like, you know, say a Michael Tracy does. Those are two huge differences. It's not at all the same. And I don't know why you would... Is there something else that I'm missing? Is there another reason you said that? Because I didn't see it. Um, and again, I've, I've, you know, I, we've had this discussion about some of the people you see as that, and some of the people that I, I, I see as that. And I know we're not always uh, overlapping there, but uh, I don't know what you see. So in this one, uh, Renee says, uh, "No petty cancel culture exists with real issues like evictions and fascism. Despair will ignore that and revolt." Right. Right. I mean, I got with the, I got sort of there. It's sort of in the same category as just what we saw with voters going to the 
the the voting booth this year. There, there, you know, Rashida Tlaib won re-election in a district where she is. It's a majority black district, and she she won. She's a Palestinian woman who won that district, while running up against a black candidate. It's not. It doesn't translate, and to obsess over it, again, if you have two candidates who are the same on paper, and one is more representative of the district than the other, then I totally get it. That's not. I, I totally am all for. Rep, uh, we should have more women, more people of color in office. Absolutely, but not just any woman or any person of color. We want someone who represents the people. Otherwise, why not just vote for a, a black Republican? Why not vote for a log cabin Republican? Why not vote for a, a woman for Trump? Marjorie uh, Green, who just uh, the QAnon woman who just won. Why not you know, just vote for her if you're in her dis- district? If you're uh, a Democrat, it's. I mean, that's Laura Loomer just won in Florida. She's going up against a Democrat. Why don't you vote for her? She's going up against a, a, a male Democrat, I believe. If you want more women in office, vote for Laura Loomer, right? I mean, it's just... It's not just that. And the Democrats, or at least the establishment uh, Democrats and the centrists, just fall for that. But of course, those rules never work for them. They only use that stuff to weaponize against the left. For them... If there's a white male incumbent who's being challenged by a young Puerto Rican progressive woman, then of course we rally behind the white male establishment candidate. He's the incumbent. That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here. Um... Miss Heathen says, uh, Yes, Matt, more women fascists. Champagne Communista says, because generalizing is intellectual laziness. Uh, Grimm says, the people obsessed with cancel culture are not left. Cancel culture has no power and it is not a real culture. If you obsess over it, it's because you are hiding something. Well, yeah, a lot of the time, sure. But how is Nomi... I mean, no, but there is, there is, I'm rereading what you said. Okay. There is an issue, though, where Democrats or liberals will go after, after some, like, nobody online and try to ruin their life over stupid comments. I mean, you're talking about, like, general racism. There was that, there was that video of, and this one really bothered me, and I didn't touch it, because I didn't want to, I don't know what happened there, but it just wasn't clear. There was that video of some guy holding up a camera to a woman who was crying behind her car, trying to hide her face or her, and her license plate or something. And this guy is screaming at her, saying that she called him uh, a, a racial slur, but he didn't get it on tape. And then... As the video is going viral, he starts trying to sell merchandise with different quotes that were used 
in that video trying to monetize his experience. That is, that is obscene. And again, we don't know what happened because it wasn't caught on video. We just have a, a woman going, getting really over exacerbating herself, uh, very emotional on camera. Clearly someone, she has some sort of, uh, issues, uh, to go that over the top over this. And he's just harassing her, claiming she said these things to him. When again, we, it's all just like he, he's just claiming it. And then he's trying to monetize it. And I believe actually it even came out later. This is a guy who was a right winger who just goes around now trying to claim that people say discriminatory things against him in order to try to go viral. I mean, that that's that's sort of the thing that I, I'm not into that. I'm not into that because you get guys like that, grifters like that, who are trying to become a influencer or a meme out of it. It's just not. Luke says, cancel culture didn't exist until it started to be applied to elites in positions of power. Only then has it gained any sort of cultural saliency. Right, I hate the general term, cancel culture, because I don't think that it really exists before it became this sort of online phenomena. Based on what you say, yes, I agree with you. But really, like, you have this, this you know, it, it's, you can't just go around saying it doesn't exist now that it's a thing. You can say, like Luke said, that it didn't exist before this, and I think that's a good argument. But you can't just say it doesn't exist now, because it does. And you have to call it out. Uh, listen, the, the right feeds off a lot of this stuff. But you, 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 it is what it is, you know? You gotta... It exists. Ryan says that video was fucked. Right. It's, it, and it was a huge difference from that guy who caught that woman in Central Park because that video clearly showed that the, the that was the, you know, the, the, I don't think people understand this. The, the thing that made that Central Park video so crazy was just that woman changing in an instant like that on camera to pretend that she was scared of her life because and faking to the police on the phone that a black man was approaching her. When we saw her not have that scared demeanor before she turned it on like she was acting in a movie for the police call, that was what made that video so crazy. It showed a real-life thing. And the guy who videoed it, you know, you could, I, I think his whole thing with the dog is very weird or whatever. And you could, uh, the, the idea that he brings dog treats to, 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 to bother people who keep their dog off the leash. I mean, that's certainly a weird thing. And I think that guy is uh, not very, uh, it's, I mean, sometimes you just 
some people are assholes and you just got to turn the other cheek and just walk away from a situation. But nothing that that guy did, dog treat and all, warranted what that woman did to him with the phone call. So I think that showed a real... And again, that guy was actually came out and said he didn't want that woman to be punished any more than she already was in terms of the video. He didn't want to press charges against her or anything. When uh, local politicians tried to turn her into a... Uh, like really bogged down on her and really try to like get charges against her for it. Um, you know, th- there's a huge difference between that and that video I was just talking about with the uh, the guy attacking that woman who was in hysterics. Uh, Ryan says, yeah, that woman was absolutely terrified. David says, I think often cancel culture is used as a shield against criticism. That said, we as people maybe need not pile on so much when dealing with each other. You got to pick your battles. I mean, you want to shame some right-wing reactionary, I'm all for it. Get people who have some sort of power or some sort of audience or some sort of grift, someone who is hurting people. Don't really, I mean, sometimes I even question who I'm just screenshotting to dunk on on Twitter, and I've, I've passed on a number of things. Like, I'll look at how many followers they have, who's following them, how often people, uh, you know, influencers or high-profile accounts share their stuff. I think of these things when I, you know, and sometimes someone will say something so ridiculous that I need, I feel the need to call it out regardless of their, their stature or whatever. Also, I think follower count is a bullshit metric a lot of the times because, again, I have close to 50,000 followers. Yeah, sure, I have an audience, but I have no real like economic or power or authority. Am I not going to dunk on someone with 10,000 followers who's got like $10 million and works on Wall Street or something? Like, no, I should like. Th- I think that's another dynamic. People, people just look at follower counts and things. So, oh, you know, you're a there's people like there's like TikTok kids with uh, a million TikTok followers who live in their parents' basement and have no real power. You're gonna say they can't dunk on like a, a politician who has like fifty thousand followers or something? Um. Ms. Heathen says, yes, shame those in power who are harming others. Yes. Um, Pro B says, thanks a lot for doing this, old Matt Binder. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Ms. Heathen says, Michael Tracy, Andy No, Tim Poole, Steve Crowder, cancel, etc. Cancel all these fuckers. Right, and you know, the thing is, some of those guys can't be canceled. Uh, Crowder, Poole, especially those two. Tracy and No don't really have the audience that, uh, yeah, they make good money off what they do, but they're not... Pool and Crowder have like a a little media empire going where they're they're they they literally can't be canceled. Uh, they got to a point where it's there's nothing you can do. Frankly, doesn't mean you can't shit on them and, and try to lower their their uh, their fan base by making other people realize they're a bunch of tools. But um, right now they are in a place where they I don't think they can be canceled. Uh, Mark 
says, can you play YouTube clips from MR on here? I wanted to hear your take on Jamie's attempt to pronounce Tommy Tuberville's. Is it Tuberville? Tuberville's last name on MR last week. Maybe you have a new clip here with me. Um, I can. I will say that this new camera has been actually making the computer run slower. Definitely eats up more processing power than the old camera. Um, it's probably better for me to grab clips and have them downloaded on my computer than trying to stream you guys clips. Um, maybe the next thing I could do eventually is buy a, a live streaming computer. One with a little bit more powerful than this one. I could have the laptop used for, for you know, reading these comments and then just the streaming computer just for streaming. Um... I think there was a few more super chats. I want to make sure I get to the super chats. Uh, oh, uh, Mariah said, Matt, you should have on Sergio Olmos on the show to talk about uh, Portland. We have Proud Boy Boogaloo activity here. Yes. Um... I'm going to actually make a form because people have been, and I asked for it, but people give me great uh, guests to have on. And sometimes I save them and sometimes I mean to save them and they get lost in the show and forgotten about, like lost in the midst of the show and get, get forgotten about. I'm going to make a form that I'm going to link in every description that allows you guys to just drop it in a form and I will make sure I get it I'll have a list of it, like a spreadsheet full of it, full of uh, names that I need to book. Um, oh, uh, I'm going to do the Steve Bannon thing. I did it in the majority part earlier. I'm going to quickly cover that. And um, who was the guy who uh, who, who ran that uh, thing again? I had it this morning. I don't have that in front of me now. Oh, yeah, Brian Colfidge. All right, so let's talk about this real quick. So earlier today, news broke that Steve Bannon is being arrested and charged with felony fraud for his connection with that Build the Wall Packs big fundraiser to help build Donald Trump's border wall. I don't know if you guys remember but about two years ago, I believe it was 2018, when there was the whole fight in Congress to fund Donald Trump's border wall, a conservative activist by the name of Brian Colfidge set up a GoFundMe to raise funds to privately fund Trump's border wall. And he raised tens of millions of dollars from Trump supporters to build this border wall. And Don, Don Trump Jr. came out and talked them up and said this is a great thing and shows what capitalism and private enterprise could do. And they ended up actually building a small sliver of wall in Texas, which, funny enough, ended up falling down just about a month ago 
which forced Donald Trump to come out and make his first comments, at least on the record that we know of, about this border wall fundraiser, where he shit on those guys, claiming that they shouldn't have done that, and it was only done to make him look bad, even though they were huge actual Trump supporters. Trump claimed they did it to make him look bad, and Trump, in a rare moment where a broken clock uh, gets it right, says that some things are better left for the government to do, which is absolutely true. And Trump was very upset that the border wall fell and the news organizations that covered it made it seem like it was his border wall, not this privately funded one. So Trump was no fan. Well, it came out today, which should be no surprise to anyone who who paid any attention to all this, because it didn't cost tens of millions of dollars to put up that little sliver of border wall in Texas. That Steve Bannon, this Colfidge guy, and two others basically used that money to fund their lavish expenses. They bought like a, a, a small yacht or, or, or a boat or something like that. Uh, funny enough, Steve Bannon was arrested on a boat this morning. And another interesting thing, he was taken in apparently by postal service agents. Because, you know, they take over actually when fraud is conducted through, through mail. Um, just, and Trump came out and had to, uh, talk about it again. And he, 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 she tried to downplay Steve Bannon's connection to, to him. You know, he was only Trump's campaign manager for the campaign he run that got him into the presidency. And he only was part of the administration, uh, early on, you know, it's not, that's all, that's all. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, if you look at Steve Bannon, there's no doubt that guy was going to run some sort of grift. If you looked at this border wall GoFundMe, no doubt that was all bilking money out of, out of Marks. Idiots who thought they were, who, who were giving money to, to help build Trump's border wall. Please. Stunning. Um... Champagne Kami with a super chat here. You compared astrology to QAnon on MR today. Although the modern practice of it is complete fiction, the ancient origins of it are valid. Oh, that's what I was talking about, though. People who pay attention to horoscopes nowadays, like they read the magazines or whatever horoscopes are big in now and think it actually has any bearing over their life. Not whatever it was used for throughout history. Miss <laughs> Heathen says Bannon is a fucking piece of shit. Um, Mark says, spoiler alert, Jamie doesn't really try and pronounce the last name. It made me ball... Her delivery was so dry, I thought it was Ben Shapiro's wife. Oh, no. I didn't talk about the Shapiro WAP thing on this show yet. Oh, it's too late to get into it now. I'm too tired to 
fall on the floor laughing right now. I'll have to do it another day. Now, I don't know what I'm doing next week quite yet. I, I don't know if I'm going to do the same like this week where th there's the one show on Thursday to wrap up the RNC. Or I'm thinking of maybe, now they won't all be this long, obviously, because this is this was a, a complete wrap-up of four days with Nomi. I'm thinking of doing maybe like a 30 to 45-minute show at the end of every night of the RNC because obviously, especially for this show where covering conspiracy theories and right-wing reactionaries is the bread and butter here. It's the meat and potatoes of this podcast. I'm thinking of doing a shorter version of the podcast every night, Monday through Thursday next week. I'm really considering it. What do you guys think? Um, I'm thinking of reaching out to a few people and having a new guest every night or maybe ask one person to join me all four nights. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not, there'll definitely be a show next week about the RNC. I know the majority port is on vacation all next week. I told them what bad timing to do that the week of the RNC. Now I can't do the personal obligations. I can't do a show at the time our majority port would go live at noon, but I can possibly do a daily Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday show, I should say, next week. Um, after every night of the RNC. I'm going to consider it. I'll let you guys know. Follow me on Twitter to keep uh, posted, and I'll also post it in the Patreon uh, on patreon.com patreon slash Matt Binder. All right, folks. That's the show. Freebies. You get the whole thing. Members, thank you. I know I uh, just the way tonight worked, the way it is, it's now 1.10 a.m. Just it made more sense to just keep it going and then pausing and then cutting it later for the members. I'll give you guys members stuff to make up for it, I promise. And also... Like I said, I got the equipment. I got the patrons that I wanted to hit to start doing this. I'm going to start doing these short YouTube clips. I'm already, uh, I already got a list of some to do. Uh, some really good ones I think you guys would like to share around. Uh, this was a fun night. Thank you all for joining me tonight. Uh, and with that, I will see you all next time on Doom. Oh wait, I forgot to mention. I'll cut this I'll cut that silence shorter in the podcast. I need to I need to say this. It's my birthday on Sunday. August 23rd. That's my birthday. <laughs> I'm going to drop that in here so you guys can all wish me happy birthday on Sunday. August 23rd. <laughs> all right. Now, take care everyone. <laughs>